Hello, friends and family. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It's been a little bit since our last episode. First, I was doing a little traveling with my kids. We went to New York City for a few days. That was a lot of fun. I had not been to New York since 2008, I think, and my children had never been there. We like to travel a lot. I like to expose my kids to just a lot of things that are out there in the world, culturally, socially, just so they can see things and understand that there's a big world out there. They have a lot of options for whatever they want to do in life. And we had a great trip. We're big New York Yankees fans. I got my first New York Yankees hat the day I was born in the hospital. My extended family, most of them are Yankees fans. So I grew up rooting for the Yankees, which some people forget when I was young, the Yankees weren't having a lot of success at that time in terms of wins and losses. I was born in 1985, and that was that dry spell from the late 70s to the mid-90s. It was really 1994 before the Yankees were kind of good again. But then I was very fortunate. I got to experience the Yankees dynasty from 1996 to about 2001. And that uh, was a great time to be Growing up, getting more interested in sports and watching the Yankees, my favorite team. So we went to New York. The weekend that we went specifically was because that's when the Boston Red Sox were in town. Huge sports rivalry. Got to see the Yankees play the Red Sox in Yankee Stadium. We caught two games of that weekend stretch. That was a lot of fun. And then we did a lot of the tourist stuff. We went to the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island, which was wonderful. I highly recommend that. The last time I was in New York, we kind of did the... We did the ferry kind of past everything, but we didn't stop and look at the museum and all those sorts of things. So this time with the kids, we did and... I, I was even kind of a little emotional walking around and checking out the museum at the Statue of Liberty. And my son, Mickey, was kind of, when I mentioned that, I was like, oh, I kind of got a little, little emotional there. I got a little choked up. And he kind of laughed and was like, really? And I was like, yeah, I mean, just kind of trying to put myself in the place of So many people that came to this country with really nothing other than a sense of hope. And the Statue of Liberty standing there looking at it and looking at all of the stuff in the museum there and walking around Ellis Island and seeing the the documentary that they show at Ellis Island with real footage and photographs from that era. These people coming in, sort of that idea of give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. 
and the way I described it to my kids was standing there with the Statue of Liberty sort of, it made me think of everything that we can be and how we often fall so short of that. that. The Statue of Liberty is sort of this great symbol of of what is great about our country, but what is great about humanity. And it's kind of a, a reminder there that a lot of times we don't we don't live up to that greatness as a society and as individuals. So that's that's what I was thinking about when we were there. So that was great. We went to a Broadway show. We went to Hades Town. Hades Town is fantastic. It's based on Greek mythology. It's got a very kind of jazz sort of bluesy tone to everything. I would say more jazz elements, but the songs are great. I'm always amazed when I can see a Broadway show or an off-Broadway performance or a, a traveling Broadway production. Just the the level of level of talent, but also the it's clear how much work and preparation and love goes into a show like that really enjoyed Hades town and then uh, we got to just spend some time walking around we spent some time in Central Park and Rockefeller Center checking out a lot of those things just spending time with with the kids is always <laughs> excellent and Anytime we travel, there's always funny stuff that comes out of it. And one funny thing that stuck out to me this time was Mickey kind of had a bit. He's gotten to the point where he'll do like, I say a bit like a, a comedian might have a bit or a sketch show player might have a bit. And we would be in the airport. You're walking around the airport, a bunch of people going everywhere and inevitably in the airport. A lot of public places, you'll see someone loudly having a telephone conversation where they've maybe got the earbud thing with the microphone going, or they're on speakerphone, and they are very animated and very engaged in their phone conversation, and... Everybody around them is hearing at least their side of the conversation, which is fine. It does not bother me. I don't care. There's a lot going on in the airport. But it is funny if you're kind of just milling around near your gate or whatever, and you can hear people having these conversations. And one person we were standing by on the phone, talking with the earbud, and very into the conversation and at one point sort of starts stammering a little bit kind of goes what 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 and mickey without us communicating 
Mickey heard him say, what, what, what? And then Mickey right after goes, what, what, what? You're fired. And I thought that was so funny that he just kind of picked up on that. Here's this person. It's kind of like the, like the stereotypical, like you would see in a, in a movie, an older movie from like the, 90s or something where there's a businessman on a cell phone and buy sell you're fired make you just what 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 you're fired and then we saw somebody else i actually don't remember if it was this guy first or the what the order was but he also saw somebody go and 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 mickey repeats after him and 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 you're fired and it's like i don't know why he started doing that but it would, like we would find these people who would get animated on the phone and say a word three times, then Mick would repeat it and then just finish with, you're fired. And I thought that was a really funny bit. So we did all that. We get home from New York. Then I started not feeling real great. Thought we were just around a lot of people, so I should probably take a... COVID test, sure enough, that came back positive. Everything was okay. I, I didn't feel too terrible, but so then I started my at-home isolation and we had to make sure the kids got out of the house so they could have time away from me because they were about to go on another vacation. Later, they were leaving with their mom to actually go to the west coast to go to california so everything worked out okay we got them out of the house they were in the clear they were able to go on vacation and i just had to do my isolation time but that gave me some time to work on some things hang out missed not having my kids around and i sure don't like just sitting around the house for days on end but worked on some other things so hopefully we'll be Put out a lot of media stuff in the next several weeks, and I got a chance to work on a lot of football because it is August now, which means it's football season. I coach football, so that's a big part of my fall. Now we will go ahead and jump into our regular segments. It's time for some good news. The organization we're highlighting this week is Clean Cooking Alliance. I love searching for these organizations and individuals that are doing good work, that are trying to put some good into the world. Just makes me feel a little bit better about humanity. And I always learn something. Sometimes there's Often, there are so many issues that we just don't think about in our daily lives. We're busy. We have obligations. We've got a lot of stuff going on. We have busy schedules. And we don't always think globally or even locally. It's hard sometimes to consider the issues that other people are facing because we're dealing with our own issues. So it's a nice time for me to reflect a little bit. And to learn about some other subjects. So the Clean Cooking Alliance is working to support clean 
cooking, which basically means there's a lot of people in the world who don't have access to modern cooking equipment, modern modern kitchens, those sorts of things. So they're they're maybe cooking on open flames, they're like a wood fire, something like that. They're cooking in sort of antiquated stoves, and that can expose people to a lot of pollutants if they're cooking on open fires or inefficient stoves. They could really impact people's health, and it's impacting people's health in a negative way that are often living in low socioeconomic areas, areas that don't have a lot of access to modern healthcare and things like that either. Oftentimes, the people suffering the health effects of these unclean cooking conditions are women. So Clean Cooking Alliance works to create grants, they support, they fund research, and they do a lot of things to get modern cooking equipment to people that need it and to also specifically support women because women are often impacted by those unclean cooking conditions. On their website, they have a lot of great information. I really like their website. It's easy to click through. They're very clear about what their values are, what the issues are that they're trying to address, and how they're trying to address them. I like that when an organization really articulates, here's the problem that we're trying to address, and here's what we're trying to do specifically to address it. They've been around for 10 years. You can go on their site and see the impact they've had over the last 10 years. According to their website, they've done $8.6 million in grants to different companies. They've done $2 million for gender-focused projects. 40 million people have been reached through their different campaigns and outreaches. There's a timeline on their website where you can really see what they've done over the years, how things have grown, how they're continuing to grow, what their goals are moving forward. Their website is cleancooking.org. And this was this was a, an issue I just didn't really think a lot about before. Sometimes we think generally of people who maybe don't have access to a lot of modern technologies, but we don't always think about cooking specifically. And I really, I really like organizations that focus on, I've highlighted several organizations that focus on getting clean water to people before. And I think this is kind of right in that same vein. It feels to me that at this stage in human progress that, like, and I think sometimes we fool ourselves and think that 
that people have access to food and water and clothing and shelter and those sorts of things because maybe in our communities we have that. And it's easy to lull ourselves to sleep because we get to turn the faucet and clean water comes out. And we have a stove and a refrigerator and those sorts of things. But a lot of people don't. And I think we can all be better empowering other people and giving people their, helping people meet their basic survival needs. And I like that Clean Cooking Alliance is focusing on on that. And to extend from there, the, the kitchen, the idea of cooking for my family, cooking for other people is something that I really enjoy. There is a, a connectedness, a camaraderie, a familial experience when we're cooking and sharing food. And if we can do that in a, a clean and safe way and give people access to the resources they need, that's a good thing. My blog post this week is ghosts. Walk into your room, scattered toys on the floor, shake my head and smile, stand and stare. Notes and drawings cover the walls, thumb through old pictures, oh the adventures we've had. I walk around this empty house, only home when you're in it. I see the ghosts, the shadows of you. Lucky for the time we have. Still, I miss you all the same. I'll work while you're away, all I know to do. And rejoice when you return, and I can be dad again. I wrote this piece when my kids weren't at home. As I mentioned, we got home from vacation then I tested positive for COVID. We were able to get the kids out of the house so that I could isolate and they could have some time before they were going to go on vacation again to make sure that they were symptom-free and weren't going to have to deal with the, the COVID issues before traveling. And then they went on vacation with their mom and their stepfamily. And those are all good things. My kids, like a lot of kids, split time between two different households anyway. And I don't mean the the piece to be overly melodramatic or or sad, but I think that's sometimes that something that gets overlooked a little bit when kids are going between two different households. And the most important thing is to make it comfortable and make it okay for the kids. I think my kids are very fortunate. I I think they have a good home situation here. They have a good home situation when they're with their mom. And also, both of their parents are teachers and coach and things like that. So, they really get to to be around both parents a lot. I get to 
have my kids at home a lot. I get to spend a lot of time with them. I get to see them often on the days that they're not staying at our house. But it is still something that does hit me. I do miss them when they're not home. I think especially for dads in divorced families that kind of gets overlooked sometimes that maybe maybe a lot of men don't talk about that but i know i i've been divorced for a while now for a handful of years it's got to be i don't know five years something like that and In that time, I've talked to other dads who have gone through divorce and they've maybe reached out or we've had some conversations. And a lot of dads that I've talked to, that's such a big thing. They, they really love being a dad and love having the kids around. And that's a very hard adjustment when then you have that time when the kids aren't there. And it's a, it's sort of a strange thing to have, okay, I've got the house, I've got the kids' room, the kids' toys, everything's still here, but they're not there. And you don't have that life that's in the house. I think people who love being parents, that's one of the things we really love is just that energy and that life that is in the house all the time. And it's it's weird, it's difficult when that's gone. It takes an adjustment. So even still, even though my kids have gone between two houses for five years now, I do have, especially if it's a situation like this, I don't have very many of these where the kids are gone for a stretch of days. But if they're on vacation with their other family or that sort of thing. It's like, whew, I don't really I don't really like this so much. I like being dad. And there is that there is that sadness. Not that it's a, a moping around or not that it's being depressed in a, a clinical way or anything like that, but there is a sadness when they're gone. And there are these, these reminders of them, which is good. That's what I want. But there's reminders of them all around the house. So to not make the piece too melodramatic, but there are those times where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm walking around and my kids' pictures are on the fridge and their drawings are all over the walls hanging up. And they do have their toys out and those sorts of things. And it's like... Oh man, like I, I just, I wish you were here. I miss you, those sorts of things. And I'm glad that you have a good situation. The other house, I'm glad in this instance they were traveling. But that's something that I don't think always gets talked about. And it's, it's an okay thing. It, it's not intended to be a bad thing, but it's like, oh, I, I just miss your energy being at home. I miss having you here. The little things just sitting on the couch together, eating lunch together, whatever it is. 
So that's that's what I was thinking about. Specifically, my situation, but also really thinking about other dads that I have talked to, or other other people too. I've had conversations with women who have gone through divorce too, and have that same thing, where it is this, hmm, I'm your full-time dad mode or full-time mom mode when you've got the kids, and then there's these times where they're not there. And that doesn't stop you from being a father or a mother. And, of course, we know that happens as kids get older. There is more of that separation anyway, where they have more freedom and they're with their friends more and things like that. Even as they grow up and get old and move away. You never stop being mom, never stop being dad, never stop being stepmom, stepdad, parental figure, guardian, whatever it is. And I got thinking about that a little bit too. I get to experience every year when my seniors graduate and move away in a small way. It's not the same as my own kids, but I've talked about I get to teach my students from 6th grade through 12th grade. So then when they do graduate and move on, it is sort of a little, it's bittersweet. And that always does make me think about it's really not that far away. My kids are 10 and 11 years old. It's not that far away where they're going to have their driver's licenses and they're going to be hanging out with their friends and probably not wanting to hang out with me quite as much. Then they're going to be going on to college or jobs or whatever and they're going to move out at some point and all those sorts of things. And I think about that transition too where it'll be like, oh, you're gone. I want you to move up, grow up, be independent, go out on your own. But I'm certain there will be a sadness there as well. So that's all I was thinking of. And I was kind of thinking of the image of sort of ghosts in the house, of sort of things there to kind of let me feel the aura of my kids when they're not here presently and kind of kind of buying time until they're home in some ways where it's, I feel out of my time working on stuff, house projects or doing media stuff or doing stuff for school or for coaching or whatever, because I really want to savor that time with my kids when they're home. So it's, well, I'll just, I'll just go to work. That's sort of what I know how to do. But that was ghosts, the blog post for this week. Here are some random thoughts. I've been including just sort of random thoughts because all the time I sort of jot down things that strike me as interesting, things that I might write about or create a piece of art around an idea. And I also have things where I'm like, I don't really have a, a bigger thing that I want to do. This maybe not something I'm going to write about, but I'll get fascinated. I'll kind of get locked in on something. And what I've been really stuck on lately, I've been listening to the song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, quite a bit lately. There's the, it's the Gordon Lightfoot song, 
which is great. The Gordon Lightfoot original is a great song. I've been kind of stuck recently on the Punch Brothers cover of that song. Punch Brothers are a great group, virtuoso musicians, and they've got a a great version. I caught it on YouTube of them singing The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, and I've really been listening to that version a lot. They've got a great way of coming in subtly and then really building as the the drama of the song unfolds. The song is about the the wreck and sinking of a ship. And so as the throughout the song the storm gets worse and they kind of really elevate as things become more dire throughout the song. And there's a there's several great lines in the song, song lyrics that I really attach to. And my favorite line from the song is does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? I love that line. As somebody who spends a lot of time writing about stuff, I'm always searching for like that perfect line that just captures an idea, a line that can be specific, but can connect to and contain a universal theme and that is a universal idea that really connects with me when the waves turn the minutes to hours many of us i'm assuming most of us probably haven't been out on some giant stormy treacherous waves out on a boat closest i ever got was out on a kayak on the sort of boundary water lakes up in Minnesota when a pretty severe thunderstorm rolled in and my brother and I wound up having to race this thunderstorm back to shore. I think I talked about this on a podcast back when it happened a few years ago, but, uh, it was a pretty exciting time. As close as I've got, the waves weren't super bad, but the storm was pretty bad, and it was bearing down behind us, and we had to, to hightail it. And on that same trip, we did have to, we had to buck some <laughs> pretty significant waves for kayaking, for kind of single-person kayaks that we were doing, and they were both sit-on-top kayaks, or one's kind of a, modified on top sit in sort of thing anyway it was uh we had some rough waters but nothing like this nothing that's gonna take down a a ship uh, a freighter or whatever but i like that idea of when the waves turn the minutes to hours because that's universal we all have those moments in our lives where Things aren't good, where we face difficult times when things hurt and we're in pain. And that, to me, is like the greatest proof of the theory of relativity 
is we we have those times where it's like the minutes seem like hours the days seem like weeks the months seem like years <laughs> and not not in a good way that's sort of one of the tragic realities of life is when we're in a good situation we're having fun when when we feel good those things are often so fleeting that's what makes them so precious so valuable they they seem to go by so fast because we're in we're in the moment we're in the zone we're loving every second of it and it and it goes by quickly on the reverse of that when we're in pain when we're struggling time stretches out and it seems to go on and on and the closest relationship I have with this was when I was dealing with a number of health issues that I've discussed before, especially early on when I was feeling pretty miserable for an extended period of time. And there really was the question of will any of this stuff get better or not? Is this life from here on out, however long that lasts. And I do remember for for a stretch, really when I was in this mental state, a, a stretch of several months where it was kind of just try to get to the end of the day where it's like, just try to get through and try to get to the end of the day. And then at night, kind of just sitting on the couch and like not wanting to even go to bed because I knew the next day was going to bring the same thing. And it was, it was a fairly long period of time to feel really sick for months on end. And there's about four years where at least it, in periods I didn't feel very good and was, was dealing with different issues. But in the grand scheme of things, four years is a pretty short time. And, and a few months of feeling really sick is a pretty short time. But when you're in it, that time just stretches and stretches and the day in pain feels so long. And I was very, very fortunate that I was able to address the physical issues that I had, the infection I had, had surgeries, those sorts of things. Was able to address a lot of that stuff and recover and feel really good still some things that need to be managed but otherwise feel really good and be healthy and come out of that and i was also very fortunate because although there were times of 
certainly feeling down and being frustrated and things like that. I'm lucky that I don't deal with what might be called like a a clinical or a, a diagnosed sense of depression, anxiety, those sorts of things. I've talked to a lot of people who have mental health issues and that to me seems far worse where if you're in pain in that way, you're dealing with depression, you're dealing with anxiety, you're dealing with any sort of mental health issue. I have to imagine, and I can only speak from conversations I've had with other people. I have to imagine that pain has got to make the minutes feel like hours. Those waves of continual struggle, pain, whatever, however you want to describe it, that, that's got to be, that's got to be tough. And my, my heart goes out to anyone who's struggling and, and the truth is everyone's struggling with something. I try to keep that in mind a lot as a teacher and a coach that I've, I've got to have kids that I'm working with where they're dealing with the waves and the minutes got to seem like hours where the, a day for them has got to be tough. And that first part of that line does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? And you could use God or you can use whatever works for you. It doesn't need to be a religious thing or a, a belief in a higher power, but it's sort of the where does that faith in anything go when things are tough, whether that's Faith in humanity, faith in yourself, faith in the system, in society, whatever it is. We lose that when we're in pain. And if we, if we want to help people, we have to address the base issue. We have to address that pain so that they can they can focus on building some faith, some belief, some hope in something. <laughs> so that's it. That's where my mind was wandering as I was listening to The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. We will close with that. This episode's gotten long enough with me rambling. So I will bid you all a farewell. I'll talk to you next time. I hope life is good. Much love.